05 and 06 I deployed to Kuwait I used to wait every day for them to say Nature going home I miss my life, miss my wife For 15 months she was all alone But when I got back I felt out of control Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold I keep on drinking so I'm sinking in a river of liquor Me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with it I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be so I invested in myself I started seeing coaches Life is a camera, I fixed the lens and now I see in focus Now my life's unrecognizable From my life just a couple years ago 17 plus years of marriage, it's never been better than this and we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm called to be a leader I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want If I said it, then I meant it I probably already did it Consider it done If you need some inspiration, you should play this Championship Leadership Podcast Hey Bailey Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Championship Leadership Podcast. We got Anthony Maluski with us uh, from, from the States originally, but across the pond over uh, just outside of London, I think. So how you doing? Great. Thanks a lot for having me this morning. I uh, appreciate, appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely. What's uh, Championship Leadership's the name of the podcast? What, what comes to mind for you when you hear Championship Leadership? What's that mean to you? You know, I think uh, what, when I think about leadership, I think uh, about leading by example. And so when I think about, you know, great leaders, uh, you know, you know, sometimes you meet a camp of leader that's uh, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. And then I think there are those leaders who uh, they put the time in, the hard work in, whether that's in sports and business and life. And uh, so for me, championship, championship leadership is really about uh, being a leader who who leads by example. So that's kind of how I think about leadership. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, you know, I talk a lot, like, I think the days of um, do as I say, not as I do, or, you know, my way or the highway type is, I feel like is have kind of come and gone. Right. Like, I don't know. Um, yeah. I think, especially in this world of transparency where, you know, uh, maybe the exception to that would be at a really large corporation where, you know, see what's happening with Disney, you know, people can hide um, with layers of management and leadership. But I think even there, uh, you know, people, people ultimately, whether it's through Zoom or whether it's walking across the hallway or, or social events, I think, I think it's just a more transparent world than, you know, even 20 years ago where you had a phone call if you were in the LA office sitting in New York or whatever, and, and maybe you didn't see it quite as much. Yeah. Yeah. True. I mean, there's definitely time and a place for that, right? Like where, you know, Hey, like we need, we need to, uh, you know, there's a time where if I ask you, tell you to do something that there's a reason behind it and, and uh, there's a time to execute and, and not question. We got to move and there's got to be some trust there. But at the same time, there's, um, you know, I think people we've changed, right? Like, you know, the more people understand why they're doing things too, uh, the more bought in they can be to behind 
the big picture as well right so but it shouldn't be a mistake mistaken for hard work uh, yeah right you know, it's, it's one thing if if you have a question and you want to talk about it uh but but ultimately uh, you know that's not a replacement for okay you're 24 it's your first job uh, yeah. you're not going to do everything that the boss is doing right like you got to yeah. learn how to do it and i think um i think something like if i was talking with someone who was starting their career and we were kind of talking about things i would i would say you know um learn everything you know kind of the more you know about whatever it is you're doing, uh, whether that's law or finance or PR, whatever that, whatever that management, whatever that is, uh, I think the more valuable you are and, and it helps you probably realize what you don't know as well. Yeah. As you move your way up through those managerial positions and ultimately, you know, potentially all the way up to the CEO and chairman roles, uh, I think you become much more valuable the more you, um, the more you actually know. And I think an interesting example of this is Chick-fil-A, right? Yeah, uh, you know, I think Chick. I mean, there's a lot of examples of this, but Chick Fil A, yeah. for instance, I was reading. You know, you have to work at a Chick Fil A for a couple of years. You know, you have to sit there in the drive, and I think this is just a great analogy. You got to sit there and you got to take the order, and uh, you got to wear them. And, and so, I think that's a really kind of uh, a great example of. Hey, you might ultimately manage or own one of these things, but you're gonna know how to make the, uh, the burger. Right? Yeah, like, I think I think whether that's a Chick Fil A or whether that's uh, an investment bank or whether that's um, coca-cola i think really understanding as much about the different businesses as you can and as practical as important and then later on you know as you move up that leadership structure i think you get more respect because i think there's some feeling uh, that okay this this individual actually uh, maybe they know what i'm going through maybe they know what i'm thinking about or dealing with yeah totally right yeah because you could yeah, you, you can't own a Chick-fil-A unless you work there, right? Um, I, don't, I think that, that's, I think I, I, I was I've heard that recently yeah, as well. You have to work there for yeah. multiple years. I don't think you yeah, can yeah. turn up and, and franchise one. Which is a great model for sure. Just yeah, to, I read there's a pizza place out there. Right? I was reading, I was kind of in the same article they're talking about. You had to go deliver pizzas uh -huh. in order to, before you could become a franchise owner. And so, yeah, that makes sense. These are kind of extreme examples, but uh, just in terms of leadership, um, I think it's a, just a great way of thinking about it. And by the way, some of the failings, I think, if you look at really large corporations in America, is that sometimes, and you got to think about, there's some of these businesses have enormous 20, 40, 60, 100,000 employees, right? Yeah. And I think um, in this era of some of these businesses getting so big, sometimes the failure of leadership can be that they're so disconnected. Right. Um, and that's kind of the nature of that structure. And it's hard to kind of understand how you figure that out. But um, you can kind of see some both extremes there. You know, it takes 30 years to move through that corporate structure. You get there in your 60s and, and maybe you're disconnected from what it was like to be 24. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, why don't we uh, talk a little bit about um, yourself and maybe the journey and path you've been on for the listener and and uh, how that's kind of taken you uh, to where you are at today and what it is that you're up to today. Yeah. So, I mean, I, um, funny enough, I went to law school, which, uh, you know, I didn't really ever practice law for more than just a minute uh, Okay. in Europe, uh, out of New York called Skadden Arps. But, but then really I was at a hedge fund. Um, and then after the hedge fund, I was at a private equity firm as a partner. And, you know, I always, um, you know, I want to step back for a second. When I think about entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs, 
and I'm not a tech investor, so I, I can't speak to tech specifically, but um, a lot of the other stuff, the real stuff, the nuts and bolts, the, the commodities stuff that you touch and feel, a lot of times the best entrepreneurs are in their late 40s and early 50s who are solving a problem that they've been thinking about their entire career. And those are some of my yeah. favorite entrepreneurs to back yeah. uh, or invest with. And so, uh, you know, at the private equity firm, um, we started to think about where the world was going with electrification and what that was going to look like and, you know, partnered up and, and spun out of that private equity firm to focus on, uh, you know, basic materials that relate to kind of the reinvention of the electricity grid and electric vehicles uh, in a way that, that we at the time wanted to reimagine. So that's copper, nickel, cobalt. And, you know, if you're a listener or if you're watching this, look around the room that you're in and, and think about this. Almost everything you see is either mined or grown. This is like the basic foundation of, of kind of modern life. Like you cannot drive to work this morning without a mine. Can't do it. Yeah. There's copper, there's nickel, there's, um, there's probably petroleum products in there or from oil. So, right. um, you know, that, that was kind of where I'd spent my whole career and, and spun out. And what I wanted to focus on is, okay, we've been heavily for a hundred years now um, used hydrocarbons as our source of energy. And, you know, it's hard to know for sure, but definitely that's caused some problems. And now we're transitioning to an era of higher awareness and really looking at, okay, how can we do this in a healthier, uh, more sustainable way? And there's a bunch of things, whether that's nuclear power, uh, whether that's solar, uh, whether that's just consuming less, but, but all of those things really require a certain type of basic material, copper, for instance. And so I've really spent my career focused on on creating companies, investing in, in entrepreneurs, and, and building companies that I'm involved in, um, in order to kind of help with this notion of transitioning to a more sustainable kind of future, right? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, that's very cool. What's uh, I, I thought I saw on your right before you came on your picture you are you a pilot or uh, that picture no yeah that's that's uh sydney lawrence it's a famous um a famous alaskan artist and and so you know i spent a lot of time oh no 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 your uh picture when you came on you had like a headset on it looked like you oh were no i think it was in Mongolia in that picture oh, okay uh, okay know, the funny thing about natural resources is uh, you know everyone consumes them your iphone everything we're doing right now is using natural resources but no one wants a mine built in their backyard yeah, for sure and in fact right. the, the, you know people don't realize this has caused a really huge problem for america um so you know almost no mines have been commissioned in america now for, for decades yeah um, there are mines but a lot of them have already been built or with great struggle have been commissioned yeah. So what that has meant is these natural resources, which are so critical to your life, every person's life in America. Yeah. Um, they're mined in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh huh. You know, they they're coming from South America. They're coming uh, from China, rare earths. They're coming from Russia. I hate to say it, they're still coming. Yeah. So they're coming from all these places. And you know, this really interesting thing happened about ten years ago. So people, when we go to China all the time, people don't understand China. They, um, they don't realize that 
the Chinese government has a constituency just like America. And yeah. they're very responsive to their people in their own way. And what they realized was that people are getting really sick of the pollution in a lot of these major cities. And so China completely revamped its policy, shifted towards nuclear energy, and realized that electrification uh, had huge benefits because then the automobiles weren't sending out all this kind of crap inside of the cities. And so the government realized that, and they don't think in one or two years, they think in 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah. They went out into Africa uh, in particular, but other places, and they invested in lithium mines, yep. nickel mines, uh, copper, cobalt. And now I would argue that they probably just about control the global supply chain for those metals, which have a really impact, a big impact on our life. Like, even if you say, oh, I don't believe in electric vehicles, fine, I don't, I don't mind that. But guess how your power is transmitted? Yeah. <laughs> Copper wire. Right. That's how your iPhone. So, this is a really interesting thing that's sort of happened that I would say almost no one in the States, you know, really thinks about or realizes. Uh, and it's in large part because our political cycle is so short focused. Yeah, uh, it's really fighting about dumb stuff on both sides, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, and it's kind of allowed this huge opening for other countries to move ahead doing nothing wrong. Like China's doing right. nothing wrong. They literally have just invested their money into these yeah. things, which yeah. America could do. And we just haven't. Yeah. 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 It's interesting times for sure. But Especially. it's a point about leadership, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a leadership podcast. Right. And there's different kinds of leadership. We're talking about an individual leading a company, a, a father, mother leading a family. Well, there's something about global leadership as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's interesting in this particular example is um, China has taken a global leadership role in transitioning to greener energies. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it's up to the States and Canada and Europe to kind of respond, I think, and, and we really haven't. So, it's just yeah. an interesting side note because it's also a form of leadership just, at, you know, on a policy and government level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. What's, um, well, who are some of the championship leaders or, or, um, coaches, mentors that maybe you've had in your life and always more so about like, you know, what are some of the characteristics from those individuals that have impacted you that really stand out, you know, when it, when it comes to leadership and that maybe you've taken to help mold who you are as a leader? You know, I think that, um, and I can only speak for myself, but really childhood sports, you know, yeah. in all the different forms, right? Because yep. you're working on a team and I can think of, of, you know, high school baseball coaches and football coaches and even like, it sounds funny, but I can even think about coaches in Little League. You know, I, I have this. Memory. Yeah, totally. Uh, it, it's it's really silly, but um, it was in minors. We called them minors. And I, yeah. I was playing I was playing outfield and I got really bored and I sat down. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was probably nine years old. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I remember and, my, and I, my kids. And I, you know, I was same thing. bored and I was a kid and I sat down. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I remember like, you know, the coach came over and he, he's like, look, we're a team. You can't sit down. Sometimes things are boring. I kind of recall that lesson. And I, I think, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the benefits of, of those childhood sports, um, winning, losing, and just those moments being on a team uh, really had a great impact on, on, 
all aspects of how I think about leadership now and team building and and you know helping the person that's sitting down in the outfield understand why they're not supposed yeah. to and 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 you know the opposite of course is um helping the kid who's really good understand why they shouldn't be a jerk to the guy <laughs> right the yeah I mean there's a lot of lessons and dynamics in those um in those sports that I think were really helpful yeah I love it what what did you play a uh sports throughout your childhood yeah i played i mean my true love was fly fishing and okay and, and um and skiing and that sort of stuff but but i played baseball and and football um all the way through you play in college as well you know i played one year at, at byu i played football for a year oh, okay and, uh, you played football there I played football and I, and I, what I realized is was, uh, <laughs> was uh, how know, old are it you? Wasn't, it wasn't going to work out. Um, yeah. So how old are you? I'm 42. Okay. Uh, I had a, a business partner, Satema Nali. Did, was he around then? He he's a little, oh, he's, uh, he's about four years older than you. Um, he played at BYU. 98, 99 as well. Okay. Yeah. You just, I think you probably just missed each other. Um, but anyway, uh, that's, that's cool. What's, uh, what's, what's the vision for you then? Uh, yeah, I think championship leaders have incredible vision and oftentimes one that most others can't see, or maybe even thinks crazy, you know, but they have the courage to take action on that too. What, what's the vision for you and what you're looking to do and more so like, what's the impact that you're looking to make? Yeah, so I, I think one of the things that we've gotten really involved in the last few years are carbon credits. And carbon credits are not the be-all, end-all. It's not the final solution. But um, what it does do is between now and this transition period of 20 or 30 years, it allows for uh, the protection of vast ecosystems. So uh, then there's a ton of nuance. But the upshot is if these forest lands are in danger, they're going to be cut down, burned, whatever is going to happen to them or that's already happened and you're going to reforest them, uh, you know, you can, you can uh, invest in them, protect them, and then write a carbon credit to offset an emission for a company. And, and, you know, there's all kinds of criticism about it, but I always it kind of comes down to one point for me, which is, um, okay, what's worse? <laughs> like the forest existing and you not liking the carbon credit or yeah. just the forest being gone. And so, you know, for me, I, I think that, um, especially in the last maybe 10, I mean, I've always felt strongly about um, these wild places. And um, I really think that one of the great gifts that we can give our kids and grandkids and future generations is just preserving them and, and, and helping them to exist um, so that they can enjoy them too, you know, whether that's fishing or hiking. And so I think, you know, through the, the carbon credit program, uh, we've been involved in, in, helping to preserve certain places. And, and I think that's really interesting. The other thing that, that I've been really involved in is I started a website called The Oregon Group with some of my business partners. And what we've done is kind of um, started to share our views about commodities and other macro events in a format that's more geared towards retail investors um, okay. or just average people as opposed to, you know, sort of sophisticated professional investors. So, and those are the two things looking forward that, that I enjoy, but, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Fly fishing. How'd you, uh, well, obviously you grew up in Washington in a small town where you probably were able to do a lot of that. It wasn't a big, 
definitely wasn't something that really anyone did where I grew up necessarily. So I've never personally uh, fly fish, but is, do you have, is there a lot of that out in the UK to do? You know, there are, in, the, in, in the UK, there definitely is, but in Europe in general, there's really great Atlantic salmon fishing in the North. Okay. Um, in, in the UK, it's much more formal, like kind of people almost like own the river and you have to wear things and you can only cast upstream. Uh, but, oh, really? you know, for me, that, you know, the fishing in Colorado and Oregon and Washington, yeah. Alaska is, is really where I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's something pretty spectacular to have a fly that looks like a grasshopper and you cast yeah. it out there and, and watch the fish come up and rise. And so it's awesome. And once again, I, I think um, there's a certain rhythm to it. You're in nature and you're, you're kind yeah. of amongst the trees and the water and, and yeah. so it's relaxing. You're looking over your shoulder and make sure you don't get eaten by a grizzly bear every now and then. And <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not that problem. No. Uh, the, yeah, I, I ran, I, I do some ultra running and, uh, I was doing a hundred mile run in, in Alaska on the old Denali highway a couple of years ago. And, and, uh, I was kind of constantly just looking around, making sure there was no bears coming. Cause I was like, well, if there's a bear coming, I'm dead. Cause I'm not going to be able to get away from this thing. But oh, uh, what's the joke, the two hunters in the woods and the bear around the corner, the grizzly bear, and, and the one runner, the one guy kind of bends over, starts tying up his shoes, and he says, you know, you can't outrun that bear. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but I can outrun you. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't see any bears, by the way, but, uh, but yeah. Was... You know, we, I go to Alaska about once a year. And yeah. I see bears every year, but, you know, during the salmon, during that peak salmon season in the summers, they're really busy eating. You know, as long yeah, as you don't yeah. step between a cub and a mom or something, sure. or, you know, start yeah. bear. I mean, you need to go into the bush, kind of make it yeah. sound, but um, it's pretty, it's pretty safe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, common it, sense will get you a long way. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, what's, I like to ask this question, um, you know, what's like a critical moment for you in your life, kind of that fork in the road where, uh, you made the decision that you have, which has you here where you are today, but you know, had you chose differently, you could be in a very different place. I think that's, there's power for people to hear that, how others have chosen those moments when they're kind of sitting in that moment themselves. Is there a moment you could share with the listener? Yeah, I would say it's a couple of times. I think, I think, you know, like when I was starting my first job, they said, look, you know, you can start in New York or, you know, in the States or by the way, um, there's a there was a big bull market on you can go to Europe and work in Europe and, and ultimately I ended up working in Russia for a while um, you know and I, I can think of another moment where uh, there was an opportunity to to leave a firm where I was being paid really well and uh, to go start a company and, and I think um, you know it all kind of works out in the end if you're working hard and yeah and I think I think you don't most of the time regret those risks even if they don't work out yeah uh, because it's what's you know, what it makes life interesting, and, right? Um, and if you always play it safe, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think a lot of the big rewards come from taking those risks in your career, uh, going to the startup, trying your own company, moving when maybe you shouldn't. Because I think that um, those are really kind of growth moments. And you know, oftentimes we're we're bored and we're rolled into this kind of just day to day, but 
when you take that risk, all of a sudden you realize, oh man, I've got to, I got to work harder. I've got to focus. I've got to do it. And I think it kind of um, re-engages you into your career and whatever that means. Yeah. And I think that can be rewarding just one because you're re-engaged, but two um, life's short and, and yeah. uh, you know, why not try something new? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's some great advice. Right. And it does. It always seems to work itself out no matter what. And uh, yeah. So maybe just to, to really choose that path that, that uh, you know, maybe you really, really feel called to go, but oftentimes maybe we don't just because of whatever fear or something, right. Like are really wanting to know what's going to happen before it does. And yeah, it's just obviously not reality, but uh, go with your gut, I guess. Right. So follow the path that, that you feel called to follow. So um, as we kind of, you know, start to wrap it up a little bit, like what, it, what would be one or two principles maybe that you live by or pieces of advice for the listener that if they could implement today would help move their life forward today, what might that be? You know, I think the first one is just make time for yourself. Whether And I think that more specifically for your health. Yeah. And so I, I think you just, you know, maybe you can't do every day, but uh, whether that's going for a run or lifting weights or doing yoga or meditating, you know, we all waste 30 minutes a day. We just do. Oh, yeah. And instead of wasting, I think if you just, you know, make time for yourself and your health, I, I can tell you that, uh, you know, you always feel better. I think yeah. relative to your own situation, whatever that means, if you can be in um, some kind of physical shape, I think that's one thing. And I think the other thing, you know, one of the things I see among a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs and leaders and, and people that I look up to is I think you got to be able to be real with yourself yeah you know, to, to understand what the truth is. it doesn't mean you're going to tell it doesn't mean you're going to tell Nate or someone else what that is but I think yeah um you know, then you know your limits you, and you can really I think be honest with yourself about whatever the thing is that you're doing and I think that that's important and I don't think a lot of people are yeah right how long do you uh so you're in the UK from from the states uh if um you think you're gonna stay there long term or ever thoughts of coming back? I mean, I come to the States all the time. Yeah. Constantly. Um, but yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of your home there now. I have a place in Washington, so I, I um yeah, I I I'm always kind of everywhere. So yeah, I don't mind, I don't mind moving around a bit. Right. Absolutely. Um what would be, you know, I don't know if you're active social media or what, but if the listener wanted to, you know, follow along with your journey a little bit and what it is that you're up to and, and, uh, you know, find out more about what you got going on. Is there a main spot? Yeah, that we Twitter's can kind of, the best place. I mean, I'm Twitter. Um, what do you think of Twitter recently? Twitter obviously been in the, in the news quite a bit this past year, but have you, uh, always been a part of Twitter? For a really long time, I think it's such a great platform for um, having like a procured flow of information. So I, I really like Twitter. You know, yeah. LinkedIn I find much more challenging. I don't, yeah. I don't. I mean, I'm on there, but I don't yeah. find it as useful. And then Instagram, I like Instagram. I always post pictures of the outdoors and things, but I don't, I don't find it quite the same as Twitter. So for a specific thing, which is reading articles about stuff and following individuals and what they're posting, I find it to be fantastic. 
Yeah. What's your Twitter handle? That's a great question. I think. <laughs> uh, let me look. I'll just look right now. I think it's just AM. Twitter is one of one of the the platforms that I just have never taken time to. It's. To a, get. But a, I've a, I've had a lot of friends a, like you say the same thing. Yeah. You so you're not on Twitter. I, I'm on Twitter, but no, I'm not on Twitter really, and I, I don't go to Twitter hardly ever. Uh, I I just find it so. I mean, because you create what you want to I, I find and you know you see a lot of interesting articles uh about things that that are interesting to you that from sources so i don't know i find it to be fantastic for yeah. a specific type of news but yeah, i don't yeah. like post about what i'm eating or something you know, I think right kind of right annoying. but but uh just specifically for information i think it's fantastic yeah what was the what's your twitter, twitter handle it's a my first initial then underscore maluski my last name okay yeah easy all right, cool. Well, yeah, we'll definitely get that linked up and um, in case anyone wants to follow you there, but I uh, appreciate you taking the time today to, to be a part of the show here. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you're listening now, uh, obviously you are and uh, stay right here. If you want some more incredible uh, conversations with, with people just like Anthony that uh, to learn from and, and to help you on your journey, uh, you know, stay right here for the next episode. Thank you so much, Anthony, for being here today. Thank you. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Years of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm called to be a leader, I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a farmer.